Hello and welcome to the Filmmaking Stuff Podcast, where you'll get insider tactics on how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, LA-based motion picture executive, Jason Brubaker. Richard Walter is a screenwriter, author, and professor. He's the former head of screenwriting for the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. He's written a lot of books, including Essentials of Screenwriting, Escape from Film School, and importantly, he's written scripts for the major studios and television networks, including, um, and I'm very honored to have you here, including the earliest drafts of American Graffiti. So Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. I'd love to know, you know, before we dive into screenwriting and, and some of your philosophy on screenwriting, I'd love to know just a little bit about your, your early days in Hollywood and how you were able to get some traction. Well, what a great question. I came to Hollywood, I thought, for three weeks in August of uh, 1966. That's over 10 years ago now. Um, <laughs> thanks for laughing. I really, you know, I had, I had just finished a master's at uh, the Newhouse School of uh, Public Communications at Syracuse University, and I was set up to go for a PhD there. Uh, I always tell people in, in uh, creating their dramatic narratives, they should stay open to the surprises. And I, I say the same about your life narrative. Uh, I, I, uh, I had about six or seven weeks to kill um, before I had to be back in Syracuse. So I just drove out to California. I'd never been uh, west of Cleveland. In three days, I drove out to the West Coast. And I was poking around and, and, and just having fun. Uh, and kind of just by accident, I suddenly decided to, uh, instead of returning to Syracuse, to go to USC film school and do my, um, my, my studies there. And uh, uh, it was the right time, the right place. Um, it was a, we didn't know it at the time. Well, we knew it at the time, but nobody else knew that, uh, you know, what a hotbed of talent it was. My classes, my classmates included um, very most notably George Lucas, but not only George, also John Milius, John Carpenter, um, uh, Robert Zemeckis, um, uh, Randall Kleiser, Walter Murch, uh, Hal Boward, Matt Ryan, and Caleb Deschanel, the, the, the celebrated cinematographer, also a director. Um, and I found myself uh, suddenly, uh, um, you know, in, in, ensconced in the movie business. Uh, I had written a screenplay in a class at USC Film School under the uh, the direction of um, the legendary, now long-deceased, Erwin R. Blacker. And even though it wasn't, uh, I would never show that script today, it looks like what it is, an early draft, you know, <laughs> a very early work. Um, and it never did sell. It's a good example of uh, a principle that I do preach, which is that the screenplay that doesn't sell, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. All kinds of rewards can accrue from the screenplay that does not sell. Uh, for example, in this one, I won representation, uh, and suddenly I was working, you know, I had major uh, agents. My my agent was Mike Metavoy, a, a, a major power figure, power player in Hollywood, first as a an agent way back then, and then as a studio head and a, produce, a, a head of his own independent company, Orion. He had been the head of Warner Brothers, um, and I must have been here about eight years before I realized, my God, I guess I live here, you know. So uh, it kind of snuck up on me, uh, and uh, I, I like to say I'm going to give it another 53 years, and if it still hasn't worked out for me, back to the apple. 
I, I guess the question is, you know, it's it's never a straight uh, path for any aspiring screenwriter, or for that matter, any professional screenwriter. And you mentioned that part about writing that first screenplay. I, I get so many emails, as I'm sure you have, from people that have a screenplay, and they're like, hey, I have this one screenplay, how do I sell it? And my first thought is, oh man, uh, write some more screenplays. But what kind of advice would you give somebody with a similar question? Well, you just you you just said exactly what I would say. Uh, the you know the 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 thing that the writer can do that nobody else can do. Directors can't do. Producers, agents, uh, camera people, grips, hairdressers uh, is from nothing create something, and that is to say, merely from our imagination to uh, create a screenplay, a property that we that we own, that we can bargain in and and uh, and and merchandise. Uh, every um, screenwriter is an independent um, entrepreneur, a businessman, a businesswoman, and every business has inventory, and uh, the screenplays are their uh, a writer's inventory, and that's why um, I, I recommend to people that they they take some time to get a number of scripts uh, up there so they have some inventory because of. A typical question that somebody's asked who shows a screenplay to a producer is, well, this is really good. We love the writing. This isn't exactly what we had in mind to do, but what else have you got? And it would really, really be nice to have some some answers, not just an answer, but several answers to that question, which is to say, um, you know, uh, se- several several scripts. Um, the, the, it also is important um, to write a bunch of, of screenplays rather than just one screenplay in an effort to find uh, one's voice, to sort of uh, discover oneself. I've often said that um, that writing is not so much about creating and structuring as it is about discovering, uh, taking away, uh, this, covering, taking the cover off something that's sort of uh, almost already there. And I think that's true also, you know, that's true not only in screenplays, but I think in, in, in careers, um, you kind of, uh, you know, Woody Allen uh, said years ago, uh, 90% of success is just showing up. What you want to do is be available to, uh, to, to the opportunities. And um, uh, to, to, to do that, uh, from the screenwriter's point of view, the, the, the really key um, strategy is to have a bunch of screenplays. You know, I came to UCLA after I was in California for um, about 10 years and, and very busy with the studios. As a matter of fact, I was the busiest I'd ever been at the time that I, I was invited to join the faculty at UCLA. I had um, done a number of jobs, one after the other, feature assignments for the various, for, for major studios and important independent producers, and um, uh, had actually sold my first book, a novel, uh, to a New York publisher, a major New York publisher. The, the, the screen rights, the film rights were had been bought by uh, a major studio, Warner Brothers, and I was working on that assignment, uh, and I didn't need any money. Um, you know, when when suddenly I was invited to to join the program at uh, UCLA, and uh, the reason I did that was just like I would tell my kids, uh, you, you know, you don't you don't have to eat the whole thing; you should at least taste it. Though I thought I should really uh, try that out, and I loved the interaction. Um, most of all, I love the interaction with the students. They they keep us fresh, they keep us young, they butt heads with us, they compete with us. 
and they keep us, the faculty, from getting into the kinds of ruts and grooves that you can get into, um, you know, in a freelance arts community like the screenwriting uh, world here in, in Hollywood. But the reason I mention all of this is that our program at UCLA, for the very reasons that, that, that uh, I've been, we've, been, we've been discussing just now, it was very writing intensive. The University of California, most of the campuses are on a 10-week quarterly system. We have three 10-week quarters um, whereas most institutions, uh, colleges, universities have uh, two 15-week semesters. So um, in, in the, the core of the screenwriting program at UCLA has been uh, every 10 weeks, you know, each quarter to crank out a, uh, a feature-length um, screenplay. So by the time you get through with our program, you have uh, not just a really good screenplay, but a number of, of screenplays, and that has allowed you to do two things that we've just discussed that are so important. One is to uh, find your voice, discover who you are. Uh, and the other is to, to create that inventory that, that is what uh, you know launches a career. How many screenplays do you think a new screenwriter should have under their belt before they go out there and pursue a deal? What a great question. The answer is as many as, as possible. Yeah, I knew it was going to be one of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think, it, you know, to be concrete about it, uh, it really, uh, you know, there's just no reason to go out into the world before you've got at least three or four, I should think, a half a dozen scripts. Uh, you, everybody, every writer needs a few scripts to throw away. Yeah, I recently ran into a, um, a former student in our program, an alumnus of the program, very successful writer. And I said, what are you up to? Uh, uh, and he was telling me what he's doing and this and that and the other thing. And I said, you know what, I'd love to, to see happen. And, I, and that is the production of such and such a script that he had written um, back in, uh, uh, you know, back in my class uh, decades earlier. And he kind of shrugged sort of self-effacingly. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, you know, and kind of rolled his eyes a little bit. I said, well, you don't, you don't like those? He said, well, I, you know, I consider those scripts to be my, uh, like my training wheels, you know. Um, he, he, even, even here I am, a, a teacher, and I'm quite demanding, and I'm, I'm appraising a particular script, and he's not so happy with it, you know. <laughs> and I must tell you, that's very, very typical among successful writers. Um, you know, the Rolling Stones just left town here. Uh, I, I don't, I, the reason I mention that is uh, I've never heard anything more insightful than uh, the following. Can't get no satisfaction. I don't know a single artist in any platform, in any medium, including screenwriting, who's really pleased, totally um, satisfied with the way everything came out. Um, the, uh, in fact, uh, there's, there's a story about running into, um, that I've told in the past about running into Julius Epstein, who wrote, uh, uh, among other scripts, Casablanca. And uh, I said to him, uh, oh, I'm so excited to meet you, or I, or any of my film funny pals I have a hope for just once we should touch something that's timeless and eternal, like you did with Casablanca. Uh, and I wish I could tell you Jason, that he that he said, uh, oh, thanks very much, kind of you to, or something like that, you know, courtesy 101. <laughs> but, but he's a writer, he, and instead he said, and this is kind of predictable, if you, if you know writers as well as I do over all of these years, he's ah, Casablanca, Casablanca, they screwed that up. Uh, you know what I've seen? He, you know, he was 70 years. He lived in in California. He 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 lived he he lived it well into his 90s, and his career was 70 years in California. But he never lost that Brooklyn accent that he. That he brought, brought with him from uh, from from New York. Uh, he said, "Ah, they screwed that up, Casablanca." You know the scene where Claude Rains says, "Da da da," and Bogart's blah blah blah. Here he is griping and carping and complaining 
about how they messed up his script. What script? Casablanca. You know. <laughs> yeah. all, all I could think is, boy, I wish somebody would mess up my script like they messed up Casablanca. I mention it to you because, once again, it, it, it just demonstrates to um, writers, I hope, that they should stop seeking satisfaction, stop trying to be pleased with the way it comes out, make it as, as uh, uh, the least dreadful that it could be, and then move on to the next uh, project. You, what happens frequently, and it's, it's happened to many writers that I know and, and to myself as well, is, is stuff gets resurrected from years ago. Uh, you mentioned um, my novel, Escape from Film School. That started as a, uh, a film script. It became a novel. It was sold about 20 years after it, um, uh, you know, it, it's, its true inception. David Webb Peoples, uh, who wrote Unforgiven, which won the Oscar in the early 90s, Clint Eastwood made it into a movie, won the Oscar for Best Picture, Best Screenplay. Peoples had that script around for, uh, for 20 years. So it ain't over till it's over. What do you suggest for people to do? Because it sounds it sounds like this stuff doesn't happen overnight. And well, no, and and uh, what you've just hit upon is the most elusive and the most precious uh, corner of the whole equation, and that is patience. Uh, somebody called me the other day. They said she's so upset. It's she submitted a script to, to an agent. He'd agreed to see it, and now it had been. Are you ready? Three weeks. And there hadn't been a word. That's just the uh, you know the the blink of an eye. And I was explaining to her that it would take you know if if she heard from him in three months, that would be a miracle of of uh, efficiency and economy. And she said to me, uh, well, she sighed uh, and she rolled her eyes and she said that she's guess she's just not good with the patience part. And I said, to her, who do you who do you think is good? With the patience part, who who likes to you know who's comfortable waiting around uh, to hear about this or that or the other thing? Um, absolutely nobody. And the trick again is to use that time uh, creatively to while you're waiting around, you should be creating new uh, new material. I was just talking to my old pal, uh, a wonderful writer and teacher named Lou Hunter, who retired from the UCLA faculty now some years ago, and. Um, I remember uh, uh, Lou uh, 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 talking about how um, uh, dissatisfied all the writers that he, that he knew uh, were regarding all of their material, including very, very successful um, screenplays. So once again, the trick is to stay busy, to uh, not to wait for assignments, uh, but to be your own boss and to be be a tough boss with with yourself. There's there's nobody more demanding to work for than uh, than the self-employed uh, discover. If you understand what I'm saying? Well, I I understand it quite well, personally speaking. But it, to be truly self-employed and to get to that point, you need income. So I know you recommend writers keep their day job. The way I like to put it is that the the, the day job is the writer's friend. Um, uh, it, it, it keeps you sane and solvent, which are two very closely related uh, enterprises, and it makes you not a slave to the industry. Um, I, I uh, uh, fell into my day job. I was lucky in that I was able to uh, sustain a living uh, quite early um, on development deals and so on. By the way, uh, I always tell my writers, uh, in terms of finances for writers, don't spend the money. When you do get money, uh, use that money to um, buy what every writer needs, which is time uh, to to work on uh, on on further stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I mentioned my falling into my day job at UCLA. 
uh, kind of unexpectedly all at a party at Malibu that I went to with my wife kind of almost reluctantly. And as I came in the door, I was uh, somebody pointed at me and said to somebody else who happened to be the head of the program at UCLA at that time, here's the guy I was telling about, and suddenly I was being invited to join that program. I was afraid that, that having that job would limit my, my writing. Uh, and in fact, the opposite was the case. Uh, I, I believe when you have a day job, it forces you to, um, uh, you know, get efficient about your time, to structure your life. Uh, and I found that I was writing uh, actually more. I was more productively writing uh, once I had that day job than uh, uh, prior to that time. So, uh, the, and the other thing the day job does, you know, writing is a lonely enterprise, and it's one. A the loneliness of it is one aspect that I really rather like. I love to sit in my aery. I have a a studio on top of my house with beautiful views, a 360-degree view and so on. And I'm happy to be here and write and, and, and you know, do it, whatever it is I do. Um, but it is important from time to time, and I think regularly, to have interaction, contact with uh, the, the people around you. That's what you're writing about is the uh, the people in your life, the characters on, you know, on the planet. And writers uh, who spend so much time alone um are uh, you know likely to to, to get really really uh, um lame about social <laughs> graces and stuff like that you know hello how are you is like a big deal for some of the uh, the writers that i know so well, let, let's unpack that for a sec because i know a lot of writers myself and and they to your point seem to be more introverted than extroverted and like in in one writer one writer friend in particular talked to me you know just recently over lunch about how he doesn't necessarily like going to parties and he feels like that's inhibiting his career well i i uh, you know it can't quite quite contrary to what i said earlier which is it was a party that i went to reluctantly that brought me to ucla um the uh, uh the the fact of the matter is that uh, you you uh much too much is made about uh, is 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 said about of uh, um, you know regarding connections, schmoozing up the right people, being at the right parties, and so on. Uh, I, I've I've written at length about various hoaxes uh, in Hollywood, and one of them is now now I am a trained actor and I am a very very experienced public speaker, so I can say this very convincingly. Um, but I want to say before I say it that it's a lie. I don't believe it. Here it is. What you write is not important. You've seen the movies. You see how bad they are. You see how bad the TV is or all, all that junk that gets made. How does it get made? It's, what really counts is connections, who you know, um, schmoozing up the right people at the right party, strategizing about your social life. That's what really counts in Hollywood. I mean, that, that makes sense. Most people would nod in agreement with that. Even though I just said it's nonsense, it's just bunk. Uh, I know very, very well-connected uh, people who cannot get arrested in Hollywood. They have close family relationships with power players. Uh, they have longtime friendships and so on, and they cannot get arrested. And yet at UCLA over the years that I was there, I retired a couple of years ago now, uh, but in all the years I was there, and I was there over 40 years, I saw people break through uh, completely unconnected, absolutely no uh, uh, you know, uh, um, engagement with, with the, 
the social scene in Hollywood. I saw them break through big time, exclusively, wholly on the uh, the part of their uh, you know on the because of their talent and their discipline, the good stuff that they uh, that they wrote. So I wouldn't worry about that kind of thing. What I would worry about is having really really good material. If you can show a script to somebody and and the person reads the first half of the first page and actually wants wants to finish that page and when and, and upon getting down to the bottom of that page wants wants to turn that page that's rare if you can do that if you can gauge somebody you will gain traction in hollywood yeah because you know anybody who's read multiple screenplays I'm, as i'm sure you have uh, you know that the majority of them need a lot of work, and that's me being very polite. Yes, but the, let's not. Since we've said that, let's not forget that this is the. As far as I'm concerned, uh, and not only I, this is the greatest time ever in the entire uh, filmed entertainment business. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of junk out there, but there's never been so much uh, so much stuff, and 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 much of it is really very very good. Um, the, there's, there's, uh, material of tremendous quality that's out there in theaters, but especially, uh, in various, uh, TV formats, especially streaming and cable. My wife and I, we cannot keep up with the, uh, you know, the, 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 the quality stuff. There's never been a better time to get into the business. You know, what if I told you that next year or this year, in streaming, um, that companies that stream uh, uh, material are going to spend eight over eight billion dollars uh, developing material. You think, wow, that's that's pretty encouraging. But but that's just Netflix. You understand? That's excluding HBO and Showtime and Hulu uh, and and every everything else. Only Netflix is spending that much. The rest of them are spending billions and billions. There's never been a time when there is more of a demand for uh, for material for new writers. Um, the the writers who've come through our program at UCLA they just busy as can be professionally because. As they say, it's such a cliche, but cliches get to be cliches because they're so damn true. Uh, content is king. If you can come up with, I, with what I said earlier, um, pages that truly engage, that somebody really wants to read because they care about the characters and the incidents and the anecdotes, the action inside that script, uh, you will get traction. You will have a career in Hollywood. You know, it's really fun to talk to you. My, my background is film distribution. So when I go to the markets, you know, I, I have a story that uh, the first time I went to the American film market, somebody came into our booth and says, hey, you got any action films for Turkey? And I said, no. And then he walked away immediately. And I realized I realized that this is how the market works. You either got what they want or you don't. But it's so transactional so that, you know, the years that somebody spent putting together a project is sort of like comes down to one question that somebody asked somebody at a booth at American film market, you know, as an example. And I think what comes out of that, unfortunately, is a lot of people maybe not doing the major studio stuff, but maybe a tier or two down are chasing trends. And I know you probably have some strong opinions about writers that say, hey, I want to just go write this movie because this type of stuff sells. What, what kind of advice do you have for people with that thought? Well, the biggest mistake that, that a writer can make is to try to cash in on, on current trends. Um, first of all, the trend became the trend. Um, uh, you know, if it is the trend, it took a couple of years uh, becoming the trend, and by the time you're working on it, uh, it's done. Uh, and also, there'll be many, many other writers working on it. As a matter of fact, I tell a story. I'll try to try to tell it now about a class 
oh, years and years ago in the early 80s at UCLA, and we were starting our uh, feature writing uh, workshop. It meets for 10 weeks. I have eight writers around the table. And I was saying that at that time, the hot picture uh, was Beverly Hills Cop. And everybody uh, was, was all producers, agents, they were looking for, um, uh, you know, cop, uh, cop buddy uh, action melodramas uh, like Beverly Hills Cop. And that's what writers wanted to work on. And I said, that's what I, I said to the class. That's what's really hot now. That's what everybody's looking for now. Uh, therefore, don't do that. You, when you finish, you'll have you'll be one of six hundred cop action buddy melodrama pictures out there. You should do. Don't be smart about what you write. Be stupid about it. I said the right now at this moment, and this was the early eighties. I said the the. Um, absolutely nobody is touching westerns they're not doing westerns uh so write a western do the stupidest thing you can write a western it'll be the only western that's out there and a student of mine uh wrote a western and it was a comic western it was a very funny western i could walk you through it i can't even remember where i parked my car i can't remember my grandchildren's names but i can walk this frame through for frame through this movie that was written 35 years ago in in my class and um when he was finished with it i sent it to a friend of mine my old college roommate andy bergman who was the force behind blazing saddles and he had his own production company uh, he had brought uh, Blazing Saddles to Mel Brooks and shared credit with Mel and a few other writers on on, on Blazing Saddles. I said, you you like funny westerns. Here's a funny western. Um, so he acquired it. He optioned it for very, very little money. He loved the script. And he showed it all around Hollywood. And nobody, you know, he only optioned it for like a month. Uh, although short option is to the the writer's advantage. He's given away less. Uh, the, you know, um, uh, there's more pressure on the producer to produce. Uh, and in that month, this 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 guy uh, really really tried to to, to get the, the some tracks moving. Couldn't. Uh, however, at one studio, uh, first of all, this guy went from even though the script didn't sell, the writer went from being completely unknown uh, to being very well known. He was being shown around in Hollywood under the best of circumstances, not by himself. They wouldn't have read him, not by his agent. They didn't have an agent. But even if you have an agent, it's not as good as being shown around by by a, a producer with a track record of making hit movies. Wants to make your movie. Uh, so he was read by uh, not underlings, uh, but by the heads of the studios. There's nothing wrong with being read by underlings, but there's also nothing wrong with being uh, read by the heads of the studios. And at one studio, uh, they said, we don't want to buy this script. We don't want to make this script. But boy, we love this voice. We have a problem script. Uh, that is a, um, uh, we have not been able to get a list writer, you know, uh, 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 Hollywood writers, to 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 solve um we want to give this guy a shot at it so they hired him for his first assignment it was just a rewrite uh of somebody else's whole script and it was his first assignment ever so they paid him ten thousand dollars a week for about eight weeks it ran ten weeks they promised him eight weeks and ten weeks do the math you can figure it out um that also led to imagine you're a, you're a, a uh, an unrepresented writer and, and a major studio. In this case, it was Fox. Uh, they want to uh, make you a 10k a week rewrite deal. Uh, agents will line up at your door, and and you can pick and choose. Uh, and he chose very wisely, and he launched a major career. Um, and, and so you can see this all fell out of of scripts that didn't really happen. 
uh, and, and nevertheless, overall, it, it did happen. So you have to really, uh, I like to say to people, again, I'm going to say one more thing very, very convincingly, uh, but it's the opposite of what I mean. And uh, here it is. Again, people will nod, yes, in agreement with this, but I've just told them that this is the opposite of what I believe. And here it is. If you want to succeed in the competitive arena, and there's no arena more competitive than the, than the Hollywood uh, freelance writing scene, you have to focus. You can't be given over to distraction. You have to have a laser-like focus and, and move forward to that goal, visualize what it'll be like at that goal. And so I say nonsense. I say, uh, based on my own experience and the experience of all the writers that I've worked with, uh, your best bet is to stumble along dumbly and blindly and, um, you know, bump into things. And when you bump into something that you really love, grab that, seize that, hold on to it, hold it close, uh, hug it tight, and, uh, you know, step forward uh, from there. And once again, I'll repeat what I said very early in, in, in our conversation, stay open to the surprises. Richard, I sincerely have enjoyed chatting with you. Um, well, thank you. I, honestly, I, I think we could talk all day. There's so many things I want to ask you, uh, but time won't allow. Uh, I guess to wrap this up, um, I, two things. One is, What's like one, and you've been giving advice to writers, and by the way, myself, this entire conversation, but what's another sort of like one little itty bitty piece of magnificent advice that you might give somebody? And then secondly, where can people find you and learn more about you? Bless your heart. I'll answer the second question first, which is just go to richardwalter.com. Uh, there's no S at the end of my name, richardwalter.com. And all my contact info is there, uh, and, and uh, uh, all the catalog of events that I'm uh, uh, appearing at. And uh, this, uh, I, I have a, a, a new venture since I retired that's hugely successful. I limit in enrollment itself out immediately. Uh, you can find out when the next one is announced uh, at that website. But it's an online, um, a live in real time uh, Limited role and interactive um, webinar uh, uh, that I do, richardwalter.com. Back to the first question, though, which is the, the piece of advice. I would say, if I could just say one thing, it's funny, uh, somebody once said, what, to, to Tommy Thompson, famous writer, what, what's your, if you could just say one thing to writers, what would it be? He said, I would say, get dressed. <laughs> Whatever you do, get dressed. <laughs> and don't sit, sit around all day in your bathroom. My advice to writers, if I could just say one thing, is this it's all about. Story. Story is all it's about. Stars don't matter. Uh, 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 advertising, promotional campaigns don't matter. Only story matters. People go to movies on the basis of word of mouth. And just like you and, everybody, and I and everybody else who, who um, everybody's listening, I'll bet that when we tell people, oh, I saw a movie, you got to see this movie, the reason they did that was because it's a really great story. Sometimes people say, well, what about character? What's more important, character or story? That's like saying, what's more important, your heart or your lungs? Character doesn't exist without story. There's no good story without great characters. The really important thing is to start your story with something that makes the reader want to know what happens next. And once you do that, then you've got to do it again and again and again until you've, you've taken up about 100 pages, about 100 minutes. Most movies are too long. That is a, it, it's so easy to understand what you have to do. It's just hard to do it. And the reason it's hard to do it is because it takes a lot of time. You've got to give it your time. Time is what your life is made up of. You've got to live your, 
you've you got to give your life to this. But that's not a cynical or a brooding comment. I can't imagine anything more um, uh, joyful, to, to, to more liberating, more affirming to give a life to than creative expression. Imagine um, being able literally to traffic in your, uh, your own daydreams. You know, writers get paid for what, and when we get paid, we get paid very well for what other people get scolded for, and that is daydreaming. What could be better than that? Richard, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And for everybody, just one more time, visit richardwalter.com and check out his upcoming workshop at richardwalter.com forward slash workshop. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Filmmaking Stuff podcast with Jason Brubaker. If you like our show and want to get more filmmaking info, make sure you check out filmmakingstuff.com and join us every week for new filmmaking tactics. Until next time, take action and make your movie now.